Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to talk about God. That I believe in God. It's a very common statement. The problem with it is, is what do you believe about God? See, what you believe about God dictates how you live your life. You know, if I believe in a God that brings forth karma, then... I probably do whatever I want to do, and then at some point I try to tip the scales and start to behave myself so that I don't come back as a lesser being in my next life. You know, if I'm a Hindu, I have one of over three million different gods that I could believe in, and any given day I could pick and choose those gods within their system to to get what I want. You know, and as Christians... You know, I hear a lot of different things about what people believe in God. See, what we believe about God or don't believe about God dictates how we live this life. You know, I've been doing this for a while now, and I've watched a lot of Christians who believe certain things about Jesus or God, and you can see how that affects their life. You know... See, if my lens of my belief in God is through my past, my pain, then most of us have a hard time believing in a loving God because we've been through so much hardship. Then how can there be a loving God if X, Y, Z has taken place? You know, we have a hard time wrapping our mind around it. We try to find logical explanations. We try to reason, you know, with the situations in our life to come up with something that makes sense to us. You know, many of us have watched different movies. Many of us have had conversations with believers or unbelievers. Many of us have gone to, you know, a secularized school that, you know, teaches, you know, in evolution and various other, you know, principles that as a Christian, you know, I would say that I don't believe in. But I also would say that as an atheist, I believed a lot of different things about God and about culture and about how I got here and about how I should live and you know, and even as I started to come to the Lord, you know, you know, I was dragging all that stuff with me. You know, and what I believed about God dictated, you know, the way that I lived. You know, as I began to, to grow as a Christian, you know, things began to change. But how do we grow as Christians? Do we come to church? Is that how we grow as a Christian? Sure. But if I'm putting an hour a week into my spiritual health, most likely I'm not gaining much ground on this. You know, so there's other ways that I can be growing as a Christian. You know, I can, you know, read my Bible, but it's a big book, Tom. I don't want to read it. You know, where do you start? Well, I want to start in the beginning. Well, I suggest you start in the Gospel of John. No, I should start in the beginning. It's a book. This is how you read a book. Because you don't understand God. God doesn't operate the way we think He should. Thank God for that. I mean, just think about how many people would be dead if we got what we wanted. Some of us have had some spiritual hit lists and we're praying for Jesus to get them. You know, listening to to music is a way that we grow and, and start to learn what we believe about God. 
you know, but what I continually run across over and over and over again is that we have this religious moralism that I am still trying to figure it out and checks and balances and weigh this out and and at the end of the day I've been a little bit better today than I have been bad so now I'm good. You know and a lot of us grew up in religious situations and religious churches and religious households and you know God was always going to get us. You know you're going to go to hell. Well, if I'm going to hell, I'm going to find a handbasket and skip my way there. You know, that I knew that there was no hope for me to be good. You know, in my teenage years, I realized that I was not a good boy. So if I'm not going to be good, I might as well be the worst that I can be. You know, and reckless abandon started to happen and, you know, drugs and alcohol and, and chasing girls and stealing and lying and everything else started to 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 be my character. You know, so what I believe about about God dictates how I live. You know, if I believe that God's somewhere off in, in heaven somewhere, you know, he's not really paying attention to little old me. He's got bigger things to worry about. Like there's riots in the street. God must be paying attention to that. So it's easy for me to go watch porn right now. You know, it's easy for me to sneak around with a girl or sneak around with a guy because God's not paying attention to me in my situation. So I compartmentalize, you know, well, I'll, I'm going to go do this, so then later I'll do that, and then therefore the checks and balances will weigh out. You know, there will be a balance, and then I'll be okay. And it, it's crazy, you know, that what we believe about God. Especially us that we would say that I'm I'm a born again Christian. There's some pretty weird and crazy and unbiblical things that we believe about Jesus. You know, and then we bring the world into it, and then the Bible was written such a long time ago, so it shouldn't really dictate what I what I sh- should and shouldn't do, especially in the sexual area, because that was out of date, and definitely in the females area, and also the tithing area. And, you know, why don't we, well, I'll just pick and choose what I believe about God because the Bible's old. And when I start, that principle starts tearing down every other thing because anytime I run across something that I don't like or I don't feel or I think it should be, then I just replace it with my infant amount of wisdom that I have. See, one thing that we struggle with is that God can be a restorer. You know, a lot of times we don't think that God's going to restore us or God's going to restore our finances or God's going to restore our family or God's going to restore our health. And because I don't believe that God can restore, I do a lot of things to try to make my life go the way I think it should go. See, you know, there's this principle that I I keep trying to teach you guys about powerlessness. You know, and the more that I realize that I'm powerless, the more peace I can have because I'm not trying to control you. I'm not trying to control them. I'm not, you know, losing my peace in situations when things don't go my way because I realize that there is one with power and I'm not him. So if 
I believe that God is in control. I can't be in control also. Those things conflict with each other. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have things that I need to be doing. See, a lot of us struggle with black and white, all or nothing thinking. So if God's in control, then I can do nothing, and God's going to do what I want him to do, right? In Tom's name, amen. <clears throat> See, even though God is in control, I still need to show up to life. And that there's times that I have moments, you know, there's times that I have trials, there's times that I have tribulations, there's times that I have decisions, and I can't be like, well, God, what am I going to eat for breakfast? Well, I didn't hear anything today. Well, if I didn't hear anything, I guess he wants me to fast. Well, most likely you're not going to hear what he, he thinks you should eat for breakfast every single day. That means you're never going to eat. What should I wear? However, I do believe that the Holy Spirit can convict us about what we're eating or what we're wearing. But I honestly don't think he gives a rip if it doesn't, you know, fall outside of what he thinks is is correct. And that's my opinion. You can take it for what it's worth. However, I do believe that the Bible dictates, you know, how we should begin to live. See, I believe that God is omnipresent. I believe that he is in control or I am trying to constantly control. And when I'm trying to live in life of denial, I'm doing everything I can to keep certain things stuffed. You know, many of us have spent decades running from who we really are. You know, and then Jesus shows up and he's like, well, let's look at this stuff. You're like, no, 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 that's in, under the blood, that's behind me, the past is gone, the new has come, I'm a new creation, la, 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 la. But I think that when the light comes into our darkness, things get exposed. And there's a lot of stuff that we've been hiding in our darkness that we don't like exposed because it's uncomfortable. There's a lot of feelings in there that we don't like so much. There's a lot of things that we participated in, whether we were, you know, doing the dirt or someone was doing the dirt or we were both doing the dirt. There's some stuff in there that we don't like, you know, dragging up. You know, and I think that if I continue to live my way, even though I believe in Jesus, I can end up in some really, you know, tricky situations. And what I've come to learn, and it was basically something that I'd reached a place in my life after my last relapse, that I had no idea what I'm doing. I'm a 30-year-old man, and I literally can make no decisions. Every decision I make takes me back to the place that I'm trying to leave. You know, and someone said that your next level of recovery is on the other side of the suggestion that you won't take. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because there was a whole bunch of stuff. Well, I don't need to do that. Well, I don't need that. That's for you. That's not for me. I make a lot of excuses about things that people have tried to help me, but I don't want to listen. Why? Because I'm in control. I got this. Those two statements have gotten in, us into a lot of trouble. Well, you don't know me. Don't judge me. You don't know my situation. 
We have a lot of ways to defend ourselves when people get too close. And we have to come to this understanding that I do not know how to get myself to the places I want to go. All I know is I want the pain to stop. Drugs and alcohol and sex have been working real good for a while, but now that's not even working anymore. But even though it's not working anymore, can I have a little bit of Jesus in that stuff too? Because if I add Jesus to the mix, the drugs, alcohol, and sex, then that should work, right? And some of us have tried that. It didn't work out real well for us. Some of our friends are still trying that. And we sit back and be like, yeah, that's not working. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm choosing to live a different way now. Why? Because pain became so great that we didn't want to live that way anymore. But other people are going to live the way that they want to live because they have a higher tolerance of pain or they don't want to face or they want to stay in denial. It's not up to me to drag other people out of their you know, storm. It's up to them to drag themselves out of that storm. It's up to me to drag myself out of my storm. Oh, wait, I can't. So what makes me think I can drag somebody else out of their storm if I can't even get myself out of my own? But so often, I'm trying to help somebody else get out of their storm, but meanwhile, I'm not paying any attention to mine. Oh, wait, that's why I'm doing it. I can use them as a distraction so I don't have to face my music. But if we get honest, that there's areas of our life that are still out of control. And yet, I'm the one that's trying to control it. And I wonder why it's out of control. Because I'm still trying to do it my way and tag a little Jesus to it. Or, no Jesus at all, I'm just trying to do it my way. I believe in God, but it doesn't matter about this area. You know, that it's so important that we face the things that we have stuffed. You know, we have to to come out of denial in certain areas. We have to accept certain things, otherwise they'll never change. You know, and if I'm not coming out of denial in certain areas, there can't be restoration in certain areas. Well, I believe in God. Well, what do you believe about God? Well, I think that I can pray anything in His name and He gives me the desires of my heart. So I'm going to pray this. You know, I'm going to win the lottery and that there's going to be some amazingly hot playboy bunny that accepts Jesus and she moves to Utica. Jesus' name, amen. You are a sexy beast, sir. Now those are extreme, but yet we pray our will all the time and we tag Jesus to it. Or, we don't really want Jesus, we just kind of tell him what we're going to do, and we expect him to just make it happen. Or, there are certain principles that people are trying to say, well, this is how you get better, or this is how you change, or this is how you heal. Well, that's not what I want. And then you hear Tom's voice to click in your head that nobody cares what you think. That lovely little thing that pops up every time that you think and you want and you you get to hear my voice on recording. 
Thanks, Jesus. You know, but what does it really mean to be restored? You know, when God started to reveal my controlling nature and start to teach me that I have no ability to change, that's a frustrating place for a control freak to be, is that if I want to be in control of everything and I know that everything I do is wrong, then what do you do? There has to be a, a level of surrender that starts to take place because my mind and my life was really chaotic. And as much as I wanted it to change, I was still addicted to that too. You take drugs, alcohol, and sex out of the equation in early recovery with barely any Jesus, I'm a lunatic. Absolutely insane. And I realized, like, I'm screwed. Like, I need some serious help. You know, that there is a power that comes. But that power is outside of myself. I have no power within and this is why self-will or willpower gets us in a lot of trouble. It's because sometimes we're stubborn enough and we can get a little bit of momentum and a little bit of freedom, but at some point there's something that clicks on our mind that says, I'm done. And then the whole thing comes tumbling down. You know, that we know that we can't do it. And sometimes that's why we don't try, Right? But Jesus provides this power. You know, in Acts it tells us that we, we receive a power. You know, he alone is the only one that can restore us. And I struggled with this word because I didn't understand it. Some of us, when we hear restore, you know, Step work tells us that we'll be restored back to sanity. And I'm like, that's never going to happen. I've never been sane a day in my life. Like, how can you do that? Like, you're not bringing me back to a place where once upon a time I was sane. I've been a lunatic since I was a little kid. So, okay, I'm sober, but I'm still insane. But when you really look into the depths of what that word means, it means it makes it better than it ever was. See, what we fail to realize is that we've been bought and paid for with a price. But yet we don't want to give up the goods. See, if I was trying to sell a car and I found some person to to buy my said car and they gave me the payment for said car, but I didn't give them the car and I just kept driving it, there would be an issue, wouldn't you say? Okay, well, I still want to drive it some, but since you've paid for the car, I'll give you the trunk and one of the doors. All right, I'll give you all the doors and the hood and the trunk, but I'm going to keep the car. Even though you've paid for it, I'm still going to drive it. All right, well, I'll give you the back seat and the passenger seat because I don't really need that. You can have the doors, you can have the windows, the hood, and the trunk, but I'm still going to stay on to the, the, the main part of the car. Is I'm just going to keep driving it because I want to. 
And see, this is our Christianity. Jesus has paid for us. He's paid our debt. And yet we only want to give him parts of our lives and still try to do it our way. And we're all guilty. Every one of us is driving around with cars with no doors on it. You know, a lot of us only got like one tire and we wonder why we end up in the ditch a lot. See, if Jesus has paid for us, he wants us to give ourselves to him. And some of us wish he would just take us. You're like, all right, I've had it enough. You you just make me do it. And so often we just wish that he would make us do it. But he wants us to lay certain things down and say, I'm ready to do it your way. And that's how we show that we love him back. You know, and it's hard for us to let go of control because we want to do what we want to do. But isn't this the the definition of insanity is keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result? You know, the Bible talks about sober thinking. Have a sober mind. And in the context that it's written, it's really not talking about drugs and alcohol. It's talking about having a clear view of yourself. You know, I began to have a clear view of myself that I have no idea what I'm doing. Not only don't I have any doors, not only don't I have any windows, not only don't I have a hood, not only do I not have any tires on my car, I'm driving full speed ahead blindfolded and wondering why I'm crashing into everything. You know that Jesus is the truth. Jesus gives us power. Jesus is the way, but if I'm not walking on the way, if I'm not walking on his path, if I'm not walking on his road, and I'm only allowing parts of truth and parts of power to come, I find myself in a lot of places I shouldn't be. Make sense? But if he's bought and paid for me, then I need to to surrender myself to him, or I'm still trying to make deals with him so I can drive my car, a little bit longer. Well, I'll surrender that later. It's not a big deal now. Look at all the stuff I did give you. I'm not smoking crack anymore. That was a big deal. That was a nice door I gave you, Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm being celibate. So I gave you another door in the trunk. But what's the big deal that I'm looking at porn? I'm not affecting nobody. Actually, your mind and your heart are consumed. And you wonder why you're angry and bitter. You're wondering why it's hard to forgive. You wonder why you aren't having peace. It's because you're looking to something to satisfy you that every time that you do it, it doesn't work out the way that you'd hope. If you would have told me many years ago now that I would still be celibate, there's no way that you would have convinced me of that. I'm staying in a relationship for one year. That's it. Nine months into my year of celibacy, I had more peace and I'm happier than I've ever been in my entire life. 
And I've been guarding that thing so much. Because I know the wrong woman in my life will destroy me, and it's not her fault. It's what I do. Now granted, I'm an extremely different man today. However, I know if I make a bad decision that's based on sex and not Jesus, I'm going to find myself in a place I don't want to be. You know, and the more that I, I try to learn how to follow Jesus, He makes me face things that I don't want to face. Don't we just love that about Jesus? Thanks, Jesus, for making me look into the depths of my soul. A wonderful place. So much peace back then. Said no one. Sometimes digging this stuff up is hard. You know, and you know, I believe in the steps. It's one of the tools that I use, you know, amongst many other books and workbooks. And I'm very reluctant to let people work a four step. Like, you really got to show me that you have a real relationship with Jesus before I'm willing to go down that road with you because you are literally going to open up Pandora's box in your life that that's the reason you've been doing all the bad stuff in your life. And right now you might have a lid on it and it's not destroying you and you have sobriety, you have Jesus, you're starting to work on your purity. Let's not, you know, mess with that stuff until you have a real relationship with Jesus because a lot of that stuff that you've been running from it's, it's still in there. You know, but I also believe that if I've buried something that's not dead, it's going to rot. You know, that we have stuff that's in our past that still hasn't been dealt with, and it affects us emotionally, it affects us intellectually, And we literally need to go back and visit some of these places and say, you don't own me anymore. My identity is not in this event. My identity is not in this type of thinking. My identity is in Christ. And as much as I repent and try to turn that stuff over and pray about it, sometimes I need to stare that thing directly in the face and say, no more. You know, and some of you, I've walked to some of those places kicking and screaming, and you have loved me so much at certain times in your process. And yet, because of your relationship with Jesus and the trust that you've bestowed upon me, you've walked through some really deep and dark places and you've popped out the other side with a freedom that this world doesn't offer. Some of you have been addressing some of the deeper, darker things that you've been running from from the majority of your adult life. And today you have a freedom that you didn't even know existed, even though you said you believed in God. And that's the funny thing. There are so many of us that believe in God, but we don't believe that he can restore certain areas of our past. You know, anytime that certain things get mentioned, that flight or fight... Reflex or freeze, reflex pops in. Most of us are runners. We try to look like fighters because we think we're tough. 
But the second you ain't looking, man, we're fast at getting out of places. Poof, gone. Where'd he go? I don't know. He's in a different state. Many of us have done the, the geological change. Some of us needed to. I did it. You know, I left Binghamton and went into the Poconos, and man, did I do some crazy stuff down there. Found myself back in jail in Binghamton again. Wee, here I go. Made the change to come up to Utica. I needed to get away from my friends if I'm ever going to stay sober. Man, did I do some crazy stuff in Utica. But eventually Jesus got a hold of me and changed the man that I was. You know, some of us watching certain movies or hearing certain songs or certain type of individuals. Some of you at certain times, I've put you in a panic because I'm loud and obnoxious. And at a given moment, I might yell, and it's like, oh, flashbacks. You know, that each one of us has to process the things that haunt us. If we don't face our demons, they chase us down. You know, that we can't run forever. You know, that it's so important that we heal but we can't do it our way. Because, you know, there's this self-preservation that's built into our mind. So when we get to certain places where we need to die to ourselves, if we don't have enough Jesus, we take ourselves and hit the road. You know, and there's times that Jesus, you know, comes and gets us before we get too far. Some of us find ourselves right back in the mix again. You know, the, the verse that is a, a blessing and a curse all in the same. Is that he never leaves us or forsakes us. That's an amazing thing as long as we're trying to follow him. That's an awful thing if we're trying to run from him. And many of us have experienced both sides of that coin. I had to come to a place where I realized that I couldn't do it my way anymore. And each one of you have to come to the same place because you come to the realization that your way keeps leading you into the things that you say you don't want to do anymore. Well, I've given up this door and this door and this hood and this window. Great. But the car belongs to Jesus. So are we paid for with a price? Or are we still trying to make deals with Jesus? Some of us are master manipulators. We think we can wiggle our way through this thing and it's going to be okay. Like, he's got lots of stuff on his plate. He's not going to care if I do this. And yet, he meets us in those moments, which is so fun. Can we really admit that we're weak? Can we really admit that my thinking is skewed? Can I really admit that I think I know everything and that I really don't know anything? Can I really admit that I feel inferior so then therefore I, I lift myself up in pride and I criticize and tear other people down and this is how I feel okay with living my life in Jesus' name? 
but it's hard for me to love my neighbor because I don't really love myself because I don't let God love me and I don't know how to love him back because I believe in God. But yet what I believe about God needs to be changed. Well, I know stuff. Well, I'm glad you know stuff. But you still don't know stuff. You know, that the Word tells us that we can boast in our weakness. And we love that so much. That the worst parts of my life now get put on blast on a regular basis. If you would have told me between the time that I was 6 and the time that I was 30 that I would talk about getting molested on a regular basis that I wouldn't know. We don't, we don't discuss those things. That didn't happen to me. You know, that I would openly say that I'm a crackhead. Somehow Jesus has done miracles. You know, that on any given day, I might talk about some of the worst things that I've been through because it now belongs to Jesus. You know, and some of us have a testimony that we're not able to share because some of that testimony hasn't been restored yet. Some of us still have some things in our closet that need to come out and get a little bit more Jesus. You know, that we can't find God until we find the end of ourselves. Because sometimes we're just so full of ourselves, there's not enough room for Jesus in there. You know, the serenity prayer, you know, it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. But most of us are trying to change other people, and then if we're super codependent, we expect them to change us. Since I've invested in you, you need to do, you need to do me some things. But in all reality, I can't change you I barely can even change myself, and the only thing that I can do to change myself is surrender myself before Jesus over and over and over again in a certain area that me doing it my way continues to, to lead me in the wrong direction. You know that many of us believe in God, but we don't have faith in Him. You know, and how do we have faith in Him? It means we reach that place in our lives where we want to do it our way, know that God has a different way and we choose his way instead of our own. That's a scary place. But I'm going to lose another door. Yeah? But the car already belongs to Jesus. And the funny part is, like, we're, we're driving around in like an 86 Pinto all rusted out and barely runs on three cylinders. And Jesus is over here making it into like a brand new Bugatti. And we're like afraid to give him a door handle. And he's like, man, if you just give me the rest of us, look at this thing you could be driving. But he doesn't show us where we're going because then we're going to try to do it our way to get there. We're going to show up to, you know, Indianapolis 500 in our Pinto. They're like, I'm ready. He's like, you missed a few steps, buddy. Try this again. So often our pride helps us to show up to places that we shouldn't be yet. 
you know, and it's important that we accept responsibility. You know, I've learned that there's two big hamster wheels in our lives that we like to run on a lot. One of those is blame, and one of those is pity. And a lot of us like to spend a lot of time running on those things, creating scenarios, or trying to retrace our path, or trying to change some area of our past. If I get on this and I figure out how to undo the the things that have been done, then I can wake up out of this horrible life that I've lived and have everything I want. And then when that doesn't work, I jump on the pity. Woe is me. I'm never going to have. My life's always going to be. And we spend a lot of time on one of those two hamster wheels, and we spend a lot of energy and a lot of mental time and a lot of physical energy trying to protect those places and waste a ton of emotion. And when we get off that place, we have not gone nowhere. You know, and I came to this place where I realized that I have no one else to blame. I am the one that is destroying my life. It was only then that I stopped blaming mom and dad, and I stopped blaming the government, and I stopped blaming this, and I stopped blaming school, and I stopped blaming that I didn't have any money, and I stopped blaming the way I grew up, and I realized that I have a choice to make. I have no control over what's happened to me in my life that's gotten me to this place, but I have absolute control to surrender that stuff to Jesus and change it. You know, and many of us like to spend time on the wheel rather than surrendering, because if I surrender to Jesus, he's going to make me do it his way, and I don't want to do it his way. I want him to do it my way. And if you're not going to do it my way, then I'm going to get back on the wheel. And Jesus is like, that's exhausting, but I'll be standing right here, because I don't leave you. I won't forsake you. And you know how he like gets in the storm and he like takes a nap? I think that Jesus is just taking naps in some of our lives, just waiting for us to get off the wheel and say, all right, I'm ready to work. He's like, all right, I got this. Peace the storm. <laughs> work to do. Start rowing. Wait, what? Yeah, I, I calmed the winds. Now you got to row. That's not what I wanted. doesn't matter what you want. Damn it, the shore is so far away. Jesus, this is, you could have done a way better job at this. You're Jesus. You could really just freaking figure this out for me. Why has this got to be so difficult? Because you're learning how to do it a different way. And it's not easy to learn something that we refuse to learn. And a lot of times we come dragging into it. I honestly, I think that Jesus is just like taking naps on some of us. And it's not his fault. He's just... Like, there's not a lot I can do in these situations because you won't let go of it. And the second we come to him and say, I'm going to die, he's like, peace. Check that out. That was pretty neat, huh? I got other tricks up my sleeve. You know, we have to start to take responsibility in some of these areas that we constantly blame shift or constantly refuse to look at and you know, we allow temper, bitter, insecure, rejection, abandonment. All You know, there's a list of stuff that we use to justify some of our actions. 
you know. But we have to come to us understanding the penalty of sin has been paid in full. Like, the car is Jesus's. Are we ready to do it Jesus's way? Well, what if I just take one more trip? It's not like a big deal, right? Like, you got me for all eternity. So, like, let me just, like, do this one more thing. What's the big deal? Well, we can choose to be in bondage if we want. And I think sometimes Jesus is just like, you're really, really now? Really? This is what you're choosing? You're choosing to stay here. Look at all these things I've already set you free of, and yet we get to hear this? This is the thing that you want to hang on to? I'll be over here taking a nap. Let me know when you're ready. Some of us just have to come to this place where enough is enough. And sometimes it's sick of pain, and sometimes it's the understanding of how much he really loves us, and that there is a better life waiting for us if we would just surrender and do it his way. You could have not convinced me that following Jesus would give me the life that I have today. There's no way that you would have convinced me. And yet, I really have nothing to complain about. Is there some things that aren't the way that I hoped they would be? Or there's some things that I think should be different? Sure. But it doesn't matter what I think. You know, I have the life at this moment in time exactly the way that God wants it to be. And either I can have peace or I can not have peace. It's my choice. Why? Because I believe that God's in control and I'm powerless over certain areas of my life that are in His hands and his, He hasn't opened certain doors yet. And it's his timing, and I would rather have his perfect timing than Tom's forced, controlled mess of a thing. That doesn't work out very well for me and everyone around me. You know, I have to begin to follow through on some things. My integrity is when I'm doing the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing when no one's watching. You know, half-truths are a whole lie. Some of us are really good at giving part of the story, but leaving out a big portion of the story. Because, well, if I tell you all of that, then you're not going to let me do what I want to do. Like, I'm not going to not let you do anything, because that's not my job. However, you know when you speak certain things into, you know, into existence, that you know how stupid that sounds. Therefore, you don't want to tell on yourself, because you want to go do some stupid stuff. Let's just get real. You know, the truth often hurts. But the lies leave scars. Many of us have had scars for a long time in certain areas because we continue to believe the lies of the enemy. And the second that Jesus gets in there with truth, there's such a healing that starts to take place that he exchanges our ashes for his beauty, and we look in the mirror and we realize the scar's gone. The sting of sin has been removed. Well, I thought it was always going to be that way. Right, because what you believe about God is is false. You know, some of us really need to take a step and start to trust Jesus in certain areas that we don't think he can do or it's not going to happen or this or that. And there's these all-or-nothing type statements that keep us, you know, in bondage. You know, that he gives us the courage to overcome. He gives us the power to overcome. 
But if we don't trust him and we still are trusting in ourselves, we keep doing it our way, we always find ourselves back in the things that we say we don't want to be doing anymore. You know, and I believe that it's important that we have people around us that can call us on our nonsense. That's a nice word. Stuff. Or stuff. We need people around us that say, hey, what are you doing? But most of us don't like people too close because then they can say, hey, what are you doing? And we've had to learn to slowly let people in because we need people to say, hey, what are you doing? Because I like to do some things that I'm not supposed to do and I don't like to tell people about. So then, therefore, apparently I need to be real transparent. Thanks, Jesus. That's awesome. I love being transparent and vulnerable. That's amazing. Woo, praise God. It's uncomfortable when we first start doing it, but when we've been doing it for a while, we realize that this, there's no better way to live. Like, I have legit friends in my life today. You know? You know, and we're growing in Christ together. That we're walking in Christ together. That we're becoming family when most of us grew up without one. You know, that there's always going to be temptation in this life. There's never going to be a time that we're going to be without it. There's times that we're going to have opportunities to do the right thing and we choose the wrong thing. And there's going to be times that we choose, you know, are wanting to choose the wrong thing and we say, you know what, I'm not doing it again. And we start doing the, the right things. You know, Naaman 1 7 says, The Lord is good and a refuge in troubled times. He comes close to those who trust him. You know, and. You know, I, I spent many a year saying I'm a Christian and I didn't really trust Jesus. You know, I'm bitter and I'm angry and I'm trying to control and when things don't go my way, I'm freaking out. And he brought me to the edge of the cliff and said, are you going to sit still? Are you going to trust me? And I would get so mad. I'd be like, what am I supposed to do? Do you trust me? I would get so mad when he asked me if I trust him. Because I'd have to say yes. Because I have to give the good Christian answer, right? And then he would say, well, if you trust me, sit still. And I would get so mad because I was done sitting still. I was done with it. Like, all right, we got to turn the page. Come on, Jesus. We, you know, this whole be still thing is stupid. And I'm like, what's next? Silence. And then I'd fight with him. I'd fight with him. I'd come back to the same thing. I want to be done. Do you trust me? Yes. Sit still. I mean, I tell this story, but you guys realize, you don't realize how much I really used to struggle with these things. You know, and I say that I used to say, I trust you, Jesus, and tears are rolling down my cheeks. And I'm not lying. Like, I did not trust him. Why? Because I didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust God. 
yet I want to be a Christian. I want to do it his way, but his way scares me. But the only way for us to grow is to trust. And man, is that hard to let go of certain things. But he shows me time and time again when I let go of my way and I do it his way and I say I trust you Jesus even though I don't really trust him on the inside and I take that scary step he meets me every single time. I got you Tom. I love you. I have a purpose. I have a plan but it's not going to be your way. No way in shape at all your way going to be infected by what I have for you. Either you're going to do it my way, or you're going to continue to do it your way. There is no my way, your way. And some of us really have to come to terms with it. His way is not our way, and our way is not his way, and there is no my way, your way. There is his way, or there is our way. And when we finally come to terms with his way, it's really scary. And it's important that we learn to let these things go and take these steps. And I'll, I'll close with it, Matthew 6, 33 and 34. And I would have to tell myself this over and over and over again. Seek first the kingdom of God in all righteousness, and all will be added to you. Don't worry about the worries of tomorrow, because the worries of today are enough. But if he takes care of my today, he'll take care of my tomorrow also. I just need to keep my eyes on him and, and seek his kingdom and all things will be added onto me. All is a big word. All is a really big word. There's a lot that is contained in this tiny little word called all. All? All things? That if we really knew what God would want to give us in this lifetime, let alone eternity in heaven, the inheritance that we can possess before we pass on to the next, if we were just to do it his way. Now it's not, you know, riches and monies and diamond rings and, and nice cars and nice houses. And some people may achieve those things and that is what it is. You know, however, I think that there's an element of peace and authority and inheritance that we can walk on this earth with as we get closer to him and really realize why we've been birthed why we've been born, there's a purpose and a plan that was knitted into us and when we were in our mom's womb, that there's a reason why we're here, that there's people that need to hear what we have to say, there's people that are going to get set free by our testimony in the blood of the Lamb. There's a greatness that's upon each and every one of us because we're children of God. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to have struggles. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have trials. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be areas of sin that we're, we're wrestling with. However, if I do it his way, his grace is sufficient. His mercy is new every morning. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Like there is truth in these scriptures that if I start swinging them things as a sword of the spirit, the enemy is like, whoa, this person actually knows who he is. And we start believing that if I get myself closer to Christ, that the fruits of the spirit start popping out of me and I don't have to to do it my way, and my way continues to lead me back into sin, he comes close to those. He's my refuge. I just got to trust him. I got Okay, I trust you, Jesus. And we take that next step, and it's scary. 
Each one of us has one of those areas right now. What's your next I trust you Jesus moment? And why are you still fighting him? One thing that he's taught me over the years is that he is really good at being him. That anytime that I'm trying to talk to some of the guys usually in the house, is like, there is no way that I that you didn't hear the Holy Spirit in this area. You're right. Well, this isn't obedience to Tom. This is obedience to Jesus. I'm just pointing. I'm the I'm the sign in the road saying this is the way we go. Now, yeah, I'm the tangible expression of a pastor, and I, I'm leading and running a house. But at the end of the day, if this isn't about Jesus, there is not a dang thing that I can do in your life to change you. However, Jesus can work miracles with the worst of us. I don't know what your area is, but I just encourage you to start praying about that thing and saying, God, it's time. It's time that this thing changes. It's time that I surrender this area. I'm tired of continuing to go around the mountain again thinking it's going to be different this time. I'm tired of not believing that you're going to restore me. I'm tired of not believing that you have a plan for me. I'm tired of trying to do it my way and try to throw your your will upon it, and it always falls apart. I always think I'm about to get it, and then it falls apart. I always think that it's about to happen, and it falls apart. God's ways don't fall apart when we're doing it His way. You just bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you that you are faithful to each and every one of us today. Your mercy is new every morning. Your grace is sufficient. I pray that each one of us would take that next step with you and trust you a little bit more. Lord, it's hard for us. Some of us have come out of some really dark places. Some of us have trauma responses that have been hardwired into our brain since we were little kids. But you are the restorer of our minds. Your word gives us the... the, the words that we can begin to speak over those areas and that certain sin patterns and certain thinking patterns get uprooted and you start new pathways in our minds. That you have the, the ability to mend a broken heart. You have the ability to, to, to soften a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. Not by anything that is our works, but it's by your name alone, Jesus. So Jesus, I ask that you would move in a powerful way move in our lives, move in our family's lives, move in our kids' lives, move in our brothers' and sisters' lives. Lord, we need you to move. But Lord, help us to follow. 